Attention, all troops. She's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Reckless. I'd like to tell you a story, but I'd like to tell it from a different point of view. The point of view of one of my sisters. In our house, we had two places where the kids would hang out. One was at the kitchen table, and the other was the basement. The kitchen table was the preferred place for kids to hang out and play games, because it was much warmer than the basement, just a better experience, plus it was closer to the food. I invited a group of my friends over to play, and we took over the kitchen space, and started playing cards. My one sister would enter the kitchen and get something from the fridge and leave. Sometimes she'd make a snide remark. On about her third time visiting us, she noticed that we weren't playing the normal things we were playing, which was either Dungeons and Dragons or a board game. She was very surprised we were playing cards, and even more surprised that we were playing the game of poker. I can almost see that she was slightly impressed that we were playing poker. I think she saw me as sort of hopelessly nerdy in my pursuits, and poker was somehow cooler. As she closed in on the game to watch us more closely, there was a moment of tremendous confusion and disappointment on her face when she realized that we were playing poker for coupons, an idea I had come up with after watching the movie Mr. Mom. In that movie, the adults instead of playing poker for money, use coupons for things at the grocery store. One of the tasks that I had to do as a kid was clip coupons, and so I always had lots of access to them. And somehow I talked my friends into playing this game with me. We only played it once, and that is probably because they also saw the severe disappointment in my sister's face. She didn't say anything. She just sort of paused, looked down at the pot, said, are those coupons? And I said, yeah and she walked out. It's a shame we only played it once though, because my friends really didn't care about coupons, and my family really cared about coupons. So they were wild with their betting, and even after they won, they just left their coupons at the end of the game. So in a way, it was just a big coupon collecting exercise for me, but I did enjoy the poker, and I like to reaffirm to my sister that the geekiness she saw in me was a bottomless pit, and anytime she thought she glimpsed a light at the bottom of that pit, it was just an illusion, and that pit went much deeper. On today's show, I'd like to talk to you about a movie that was very entertaining and gave me the idea to play coupon poker, Mr. Mom. We'll talk about the people in front of and behind the camera. We'll talk about the production, the plot, its reception, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show.
Mr. Mom is a 1983 comedy distributed by 20th Century Fox. It was written by John Hughes and directed by Stan Dragotti. It stars Michael Keaton, Terry Garr, Jeffrey Tambor, Christopher Lloyd, Angelian, and Martin Mull. The movie was written by John Hughes. Hughes was born in 1950, passed away in 2009, was a filmmaker and writer, and he had a parade of hits in the 80s, starting with National Lampoon's Vacation, then going on to movies like Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Uncle Buck, Dutch, the Home Alone movies, and many, many more. The idea for the movie started when producer Lauren Schuler was talking to John Hughes, and Hughes was telling Schuler a story of one day when he had to mind his two children, and just what a complete disaster that was. Schuler was cracking up, and Hughes asked if she thought that would be a pretty good movie, and she replied, it sounds like a good one to me. Hughes was a Chicago-based person, so he flew to L.A. to rewrite the script with Schuler. At this point, the project was going to be a television movie, but they didn't like that Hughes was based in Chicago because they couldn't work with him. So they fired him and brought in a group of TV writers to remake the script. The script would morph at this point and not be exactly what Hughes had come up with. And according to Schuler, who stayed as a producer on the film, she thinks that the final product, while good, was not as good as Hughes's original script. The film was produced by Lauren Schuler, Lynn Loring, and Aaron Spelling. Spelling because he had an existing relationship with Hughes. He was also a powerhouse of television. To helm the film, they brought in Stanley John Dragati. Dragati passed away in 2018. He's probably best known for two comedies. In addition to Mr. Mom, he also directed Love at First Bite. He was not the first choice. They actually offered it to John Hughes, who did not want to make his film in Hollywood. In an interview with Roger Ebert, Hughes said, I don't like being around the people in the movie business. In Hollywood, you spend all of your time having lunch and making deals. Everybody is trying to shoot you down. I like to get my actors out here where we can make our movies in privacy. Hughes would remain in Chicago and would go on to direct many other films. Then they offered it to Ron Howard, who would go on to make Splash instead. Then they offered it to William Theodore Kocheff, who directed the first Rambo movie, along with comedies like Weekend at Bernie's. When all of those people passed, Drogati was brought aboard. Now a little bit about the plot of Mr. Mom. The story is about the Butler family, Jack and Caroline. They live in a Detroit suburb, and it is the 1980s, and we're in a recession. Jack loses his job at the Ford Motor Company, and he can't find any other work. Caroline, who's been at home raising the kids for all these years, has a degree that she's just been sitting on. And she had had some experience working in advertising, but she left it to raise the children. She finds a job before Jack, and that is the whole basis of the film. Jack now has to stay home and deal with issues and things that he's never had to deal with. Raising the kids, taking care of the house, and at the same time, dealing with the changes going on to him and what it means to be him after losing his job. Caroline herself doesn't have it easy. Her boss is a bit of a slimeball who keeps coming on to her. In the end, everything works out. Caroline's great at her job, and they want her. Jack, of course, was the only competent person at his work, so they want him to come back. But he's already come to an understanding of what it means to be with the kids, and of course, to take responsibility outside of his job. So there's role reversal and coming together, 
everybody learns a lot of lessons, and it has a happy ending. After these messages, we'll be right back. My fellow Americans, I am Howard Humphrey, president of Schooner Tuna. All of us here at Schooner Tuna sympathize with those of you hit so hard by these trying economic times. In order to help you, we are reducing the price of Schooner Tuna by 50 cents a can. When this crisis is over, we will go back to our regular prices. Until then, remember, we're all in this together. Schooner Tuna, the tuna with the heart. And now, back to the show. Now a little bit about the cast of the film. Michael Keaton plays Jack Butler. Keaton was born Michael John Douglas, or Michael Douglas. Changed his name to Michael Keaton for working. He's an actor who started working in TV, but scored his biggest hits when he switched to movies. Probably his big breakthrough was the 1982 movie Night Shift. The very next year, he would star in Mr. Mom, followed by Johnny Dangerously, Beetlejuice, and then Batman. He continues to work to this day, a fine, dramatic actor, and a really talented person. The funny thing is, is that, as I mentioned, Ron Howard was asked to direct this movie, and he turned it down to do Splash. Michael Keaton turned down Splash to do this movie, and this would be the first movie where he got top billing. Other people considered for this role were Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, John Travolta, and Michael Douglas. There is a very famous scene that gets often quoted. I thought I'd bring it up now. In it, Jack is meeting his wife's boss for the first time, and he is acting very handy around the house, talking about wiring plans. And Caroline's boss asks, are you going to make it all 220 wiring? Keaton responds, yeah, 220, 221, whatever it takes. The joke being that 220 is the standard voltage used in homes. So 221, that's not happening. Terry Garr played Caroline Butler. Garr was born in 1944. She is currently retired, trained as a dancer. She began acting at a very young age, appearing in nine Elvis Presley musicals. Her big break would be on television in the Star Trek episode Assignment Earth. After that, she would really start to get a lot of work. Probably the biggest early roles were The Conversation in 1974, followed very closely by Young Frankenstein. Then she would be in movies like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Tootsie, and many, many more. Other people considered for this role were Sally Field, Farrah Fawcett, Jane Curtin, and Karen Allen. Martin Mull played Ron Robinson, who was Caroline's boss. Mull is a great character actor, notably played Colonel Mustard in the 1985 film Clue, and worked on TV shows like Roseanne and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Other people considered for this role were Burt Reynolds, Jack Nicholson, Jeffrey Jones, and Dabney Coleman. That list of people could not have made this role any more different. Rounding out the cast, you had Jeffrey Tambor as Jinx Latham, who was one of Jack's co-workers and a bit of a jerk. Christopher Lloyd as co-worker Larry. Anne Gillian played Joan, a next-door neighbor who has some interest in Jack that's maybe not great for the family. She's probably best known to 80s audiences for her role in It's a Living. The Butler kids, Alex, Kenny, and Megan, were played by Frederick Kohler, who also played Chip on Kate and Alley, Talizin Jaffe, who would go on to do a lot of voice acting work, and is in the online 
RPG show Critical Role, and Megan was played by twins Courtney and Brittany White. That's most of the cast. There's a few more, but those are the main ones you need to know. I'd like to talk to you about a scene in this movie that I love. It's not your typical scene that people like to pay a lot of attention to, but it's something I always look for in older movies. It is a supermarket scene, and a supermarket scene where Jack and his kids go up and down aisles of a supermarket And you get to see lots of old products on the shelves. It is a wonderful time machine. And I could spend a long time just pausing at every aisle looking at all the products on the shelves. I'm sure it annoys anybody who would watch this film with me. But if you like old products and like to see old supermarkets, do pay special attention to that scene. It is great. The music in the film was done by Emmy Award winner Lee Holdridge. Holdridge has composed and orchestrated music for many movies. Great soundtrack for Mr. Mom, The Beastmaster, Splash. There's a lot of Splash connections in this movie. He would also compose music for many TV shows. Probably the two that have done the best were Moonlighting and Beauty and the Beast. People do sell CDs of this soundtrack online, and the price usually falls between $20 or $30. Fortunately, if you're online, you can often find it streaming. People have posted it on YouTube and in lots of places. There's a lot of other great music used in the film, including music that are used in other movies, like Chariots of Fire, the Rocky theme, Nadia's theme, the Jaws theme, the music from Patton. It's a strange combination, but it's quite effective and kind of fun. Ever since Jack Good luck. and his wife switched careers, he's seeing a new angle on life. Watch, she's going to blame it on you now. You threw me at him. A new angle on love. <laughs> I tell you. And a new angle on the neighbors. Are these any good? Yeah, plenty. Michael Keaton and Terry Garr in Mr. Mom, a mother of a comedy. Rated PG. The film opened on July 22nd, 1983, and it had a... opening weekend, which was number 13 that weekend. It would go into wide release on August 19th of that same year, and it would open at number three, making $4.2 million, and it came in behind Easy Money and Risky Business. I'm pretty sure I saw Easy Money in the theater at that time. It would eventually go on to earn $64 million domestically, and would get John Hughes a three-picture deal with Universal. With that, he would release 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, and Weird Science. John Hughes's other film, Vacation, came out that same summer, and it ended its theatrical run with $61.3 million. It would finish 11th that year, so a good year for John Hughes. The film had mixed reviews when it came out. Leonard Maltin said it was a pleasant enough rehash of an age-old sitcom premise that had likable stars making it palatable, but you've seen it all before. Roger Ebert was cold on the film as well, saying it was a lost opportunity that resorted to cliches, but that it had a promising and talented cast. Fortunately, most people didn't listen to those critics, and word of mouth was very good, and if you read through small newspapers, you'll see a lot of the same critical response, where people are charmed by the performances, not too keen on the story, but... I'm sure John Hughes' story was much better, and if you're wondering why it would have these tired TV sitcom premises, it's because they turned it over to sitcom writers to work on. 
Now, this was almost a TV movie. And oddly enough, a year after the film was in theaters, ABC produced a TV movie called Mr. Mom that had the exact same characters and premise, but it had Barry Van Dyke playing Jack and Rebecca York playing Caroline. People magazine gave it a withering review in December of 1984, stating that here's a textbook case in how TV takes a cute idea and a script that does have some good lines and leeches the wit out of it. Yikes. Of course, because this is a pretty good idea and it has a lot of appeal and people have a lot of nostalgia for it, it was announced that MGM and Voodoo were developing a television adaptation of the film. It starred Andrea Anders and Hayes MacArthur as Megan and Greg Anderson. I watched some of this online. It seems like a heartfelt attempt to contemporize the material. So far, this series hasn't been canceled, so I'm not sure if it's going to continue. I think the thing holding it back the most might be, where do you find it? You have to subscribe to Voodoo's service to get it. After these messages, we'll be right back. <laughs> the cola nut. All colas start with it, Coke, Pepsi, and like are colas. The difference is, once Coke and Pepsi catch a cola nut, they add caffeine to the poor little guy. Like lets him stay pretty much caffeine-free. Like's 100% real cola from the cola nut. Deep, rich, and delicious. Hey, our pal's gonna make it! <laughs> And now, back to the show. Right away, they started releasing Mr. Mom in all home media formats that were available, starting with VHS. It was a very popular film to rent at the video stores I worked at. It had a wide appeal. It has a cartoony factor to it with Jack's misadventures at home. And yet, at the same time, there's a little bit of adult commentary that goes above kids that adults like. And so we would put it on the TVs at work, and I could guarantee it would get rented. And when I worked in a store that sold videos, the same thing would be said. It would be sold. You just needed to remind people that this movie existed and they'd want to own it. Of course, the movie would get releases on future formats and is available on streaming services today. Mr. Mom is a light comedy, but it had a great run on cable television. And during that run, it became very quotable and watched a lot. So it has a very warm place in the hearts of people who watched it at the time. And if you can put aside some of the dated humor in it, it does hold up very well, mostly due to the tremendous talent of the people in front of the camera. So if you're looking for a light comedy to watch, something that probably the whole family can enjoy, why not pick up Mr. Mom or revisit it if you've seen it before? Enjoy the charisma of Michael Keaton and Terry Garr, the great supporting cast, and make sure you slow down and watch that supermarket scene. I guarantee you're going to enjoy it. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at retroist.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend.
Starts tomorrow at the Phoenix Twin. This has been a Rush Risk production. Goodbye.